Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Let's record and see where this goes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In in case anyone's uh, wondering about our process, it's funny because every once in a while I get someone ask me like, hey, how do you, you know, outline, how do you prepare for your podcast? And I know like uh, the maestro, she always has like this big whiteboard and she outlines like everything she wants to say. And then she turns on the mic. Danny and (laughs) we're like, what meme should we riff on? What Instagram (laughs) post triggered something in you and you want to just expand on it? And really we talk for about two minutes and then it starts getting good. Our, even our discussion starts getting good. So we're like, shit, let's turn on the, let's just turn on, yeah, see where it goes. We should have started recording. We should just start recording from the beginning and then just re-edit and shove this in the middle. <laughs> we, yeah, just start with our process. Yep. Um, we're recording from the Southern California studio. I'm in Dana Point in a closet. So hopefully it doesn't sound echoey. I was hoping that the sound sounded better. It doesn't sound echoey. My- it just doesn't sound like super crisp. You know what I mean? Okay. It sounds like yeah. you're kind of on Zoom. Like it's, it's like the Zoom audio. But. I forgot my mic, so hopefully we can make this one sound okay. okay. So apologies in advance for the audio, but yeah. hopefully the content and the quality of the conversation overrides your earballs hurting from my voice. <laughs> so it is uh, the week after the Roe versus Wade decision was overturned. And well, I guess it wasn't technically overturned. It was essentially um, declared in the Supreme court that it was not a decision that should be a federal decision. It should be a state decision. So a lot of States once this was, so I think there's, um, what there's nine Supreme court justices, six of them voted for the States to take care of this decision about whether abortion should be legal or not within the States. And three, um, justices did dissented and did not agree. And as soon as that ruling was official in the Supreme Court, a lot of states, a lot of conservative states had a trigger law in place, which meant that if Roe versus Wade was overturned in the Supreme Court and it went to the states that automatically the abortion laws would be in place. Um, So um, effective immediately, a lot of states have outlawed abortion as an option. And there's just so much to unpack here. Um, I mean, obviously I think like most people, you and I, I mean, I was, I was pretty much fucking devastated when I heard it. And it's funny because I've gotten some messages from people saying like, you know, are you putting out an official statement on social media and stuff like that? And I get it. Um, I think we want to know, like, you know, we want to know the opinions of the people that we follow. And I think if you guys follow Danny and I, I think, you know, sort of where we stand and I won't speak for Danny, but I think, you know, I've even mentioned other podcasts that I'm, you know, sort of, you know, extremely pro-choice. Um, And so, and I guess the reason why I didn't, I wanted to talk about it on the podcast and have a discussion here, obviously there's so much more nuance and context and discussion you can have versus just, and it's not that I won't talk about it on social media. I think one of the biggest things I had a hard time with was I didn't want to contribute to like just the rage. I didn't, I didn't, I Mm -hmm. guess I didn't, even though I was devastated and obviously like completely saddened by this, 
it was one of those things where I just saw people being like, if you're not enraged right now, and I just, I don't personally, and you guys know this, like, I don't do this with anything. I don't do this with negative emotions. I don't do this with positive emotions. I don't do any of that. And so for me, it's not that that's not fine for someone else, but when it comes to my own platform, I didn't feel the need to just get online and be like, I'm emotional. Like to me, that didn't serve anything. So I wanted to have the conversation here. Uh, so you guys know at least where I stand on this and um, just to have it in writing or in audio, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's fucking devastating. And I've obviously been seeing a lot and reading a lot the last couple of days. I don't know where you're sort of at with things, but what is interesting to me with this is number one, a lot of people are like, well, in the, what about in the case of incest or rape or ectopic pregnancies? I'm like, yeah, but what about just in the instance where a woman doesn't want a child? You know, I mean, that to me, it shouldn't be based on like, was this? Yeah. I mean, obviously rape and incest and things like this are devastating. Like it's, it takes things to a whole nother level, but honestly, we know a lot of women, like almost all of my friends have had an abortion. I have, you know, have never had to have one or didn't have never had one, never been pregnant, but most of my friends have had one, if not multiple. And it wasn't when they were 18. It was yeah. when they were in their thirties and they either already had a child and they didn't want to have another one, or they've already had multiple children, didn't want to have one, or they just, you know, or they were just someone who didn't want kids. And so I see a lot of people think, what about these, you know, instances where the wife's, I mean, the, the woman's life is in danger. Yes, of course, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, none of that matters. What matters is that a woman now does not have autonomy over her body in these states. And luckily I live in California. So I mean, we do have a, a spare bedroom if anyone needs to come and get a man care here. Uh, but I'm interested from your perspective, because, you know, you placed your daughter for adoption and, you know, you had her when you were 16. And at one point you were thinking about having an abortion in that time. And you don't have to, you can talk about as much as you want, but I'm interested in sort of your take on this. And obviously you can have a discussion and I think we'd be remiss to not mention this because it's so timely. Yeah, it is timely. And I think we should talk about it just as women. And also because one of the arguments you hear from pro-life is just give it up for adoption. And that's, and I made a post about this a couple of years ago and reposted it, I think last year. <clears throat> and I will just continue to say it is first off the just give it up. Like that whole sentence just makes me like cringe because we forget that there's a human involved. So giving it up as a human being that's going to turn into an adult that's going to wonder where they came from, why they were given up, have their feelings about it. Um, and I'm actually, before I, before I reconnected with Courtney, um, I was, when I gave her up, so I was 15 years old, I got pregnant. I was in a place for, basically I was in, under protection of suicide watch, so I wouldn't kill myself. And the first thing I said when I found out I was pregnant was I'm going to have an abortion because I'm going to kill myself anyway. So what do I care? And that was my, the, my exact feelings. That was the state I was in. It was the mental state I was in. Um, I didn't feel the need to live. So having an abortion didn't change anything for me. So um, at, through the process of things, I changed my mind. But looking back in my journals, which I looked at about a year ago when I was staying with my mom, um, I would say I was probably a little bit more, I don't want to say coerced because I did make my own decision, but I was heavily pressured to do adoption and things that I remembered a little differently. However, I did make my own choice and I feel really strongly about that. Um, I remember at one point when I was showing, there was a girl in school 
who, and I, <laughs> she asked me something about the baby. And I think I had just decided about the adoption. And I said, and I don't even think I was really solid on it. I said, I think I'm going to give her up for adoption. And this girl screamed at me. She said, what'd you do that for? You should have just had an abortion. You're doing, you're throwing your baby away. It's the same thing. Mm. And I will never forget that because carrying that baby to term <laughs> and having people see me as a pregnant teenager. And if you've never been a pregnant teenager, you get constant dirty looks. I had braces. Like I was obviously 15 years old, um, constant dirty looks, judgment from others, people making assumptions about you, who you're sleeping with, how you got pregnant, so much judgment from the outside who people don't know you. And had I had an abortion, nobody would ever seen that. Nobody would ever known. My boyfriend never got those looks or anything because they couldn't see him. And so I remember thinking, how dare she say it's the same thing? Because it's a very, very, very different thing. And all that being said, I was still happy to have the choice. And I could never tell someone else to go through what I went through because the difficulty of being a pregnant teenager and having all that stuff is so, so hard. And to also say that I should have to keep the baby, raise the baby, not knowing my circumstances. I mean, there were, we, I went to a school where we had one of the highest pregnancy rates in the country and we had a daycare at our school. And there were many girls who had babies that kept them and, you know, went to school and went through the daycare. And I, I saw this post about when you're just telling someone that she has to have the baby, you're forcing labor. Like she now is a mom and has to take care of that baby for the rest of her life. And so there's so many, while I don't regret my decision at all, and my daughter was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I really believe saved my life. I can't say that that's going to be the same situation for everyone. My situation was unique to me. Um, and I think everyone has their own unique situations, whether it's their age, whether it's 15 or whether it's 40, whether, you know, it was rape or whether it was, they were in a committed relationship, but there's other things that were going on in their lives. It's just not for me to say. I had um, a girl in my um, church that was also pregnant. And my, I remember my mom saying, Hey, I, you should talk to her and, and convince her to give her baby up like you did. She's like, cause it was good for you. And I said, it might've been good for me. And like, good for me, I'm putting in quotes because still the hardest thing ever. Every single year on Courtney's birthday, I would ball every month on the 25th. I would think about how much older she was like one more month, one more month, 18 years of my life. It's never gotten out of my brain. So for me to tell someone else, they need to do that. I could never do that. I could never tell someone that they should place a baby for adoption. I can never tell someone that they should have an abortion or that they should keep the baby because I don't know what's right for them. And I really, well, believe and that's the whole point, what you're decision. just saying, what you're saying is the whole fucking point of this argument is yeah. like, it worked out for you, but you could never tell anyone else. So why does the government No, I mean, and, and the only, and I'm like trying to figure out I'm trying to not just blame religion, but that's the only thing I can come up with that. Yeah. I'm like, is it? And, and I know that we have a lot of people who listen to the show and it's not to belittle, you know, your beliefs and your faith, if that's, you know, what you, if you disagree with us, but I'm struggling to figure out what the problem was beforehand that we had to do this. And it feels like it's going backwards. It is going backwards. And I'm just like, I'm struggling with why uh, besides a religious belief, which is fine for those. And that's the thing is if you're religious and you get pregnant and you want to keep it because that's your belief, then great. But that doesn't mean that everyone else, the other majority that are, that are not pro-choice have to keep it because of your 
beliefs. There's nothing more self-righteous than, than assuming that your beliefs are the beliefs, that your beliefs are the right beliefs. Your beliefs work for you, no matter what the beliefs, right? We, we did a whole episode on like our, our spiritual and religious beliefs. And in which case we didn't really villainize religion necessarily. We said, Hey, you know, everything from like tarot readings to astrology can be considered some, some kind of religion. And so everyone is entitled to their belief, but then they do what they do for them based on that belief. So if yeah. you are someone who is extremely religious and you believe that that is literally killing a human, um, then yeah, then you have the baby, but the idea well, that there- everyone should, and it should be uh, government. I'm just trying to figure out like other than religion, why would this ever be Yeah, something that well, the, the other flip side of the argument in the adoption side, which is tricky. And one of the, the ways that I've kind of understood this and had these conversations with Jeff, he's like, people are saying they are on the side, like who's protecting the unborn, right? So everyone's saying protect the, the mother and it's her right, but who's protecting that unborn? And so for my objection to this or like response to this is, before I met Courtney, I joined a bunch of Facebook groups, support groups for adoption, and they call the adoption the triad. So the triad is the adoptee, the adoptive parents, and the birth parents, usually the birth mother. So the adoptive triad has three people in it. And in these adoption groups, the adoptee is at the top of the triad, meaning they have the voice, the adopted parent, the adoptive parents really don't get to say shit. Like how the adoptee feels is the most important because they are the ones who are dealing with the consequence of the parent's choice. And so in these adoptee groups, before I met Courtney, the reason I got in them, because I was wondering how does she going to, how is she going to feel? Will she want to meet me? And it was very, very sad for me because most of the adoptees were angry. They thought they should never get been placed for adoption. A lot of them felt like they had never should have been born or that they should have been, they should have stayed with their original birth parents. And that should have been the way it was. Mm. And I found a lot of the birth mothers were coerced into adoption. The adoption agent, the adoption industry is very um, corrupt. There's a lot of money in the adoption industry. So there is a lot of just coercing, convincing these moms, they weren't going to be able to take care of the babies, telling them they were going to be better off with their adoptive parents. On the other flip side, these adoptees are like, I was with these narcissistic parents that were awful. I would have been better off with my birth mom. And a lot of these birth moms were like, I actually could have probably taken care of my baby had there been some services and help out there for me. And so the adoption triad situation is that majority of the adoptees, and I feel very lucky that Courtney is grateful and she feels like she was in a great place, but a good number of adoptees feel that they weren't. They're angry that they were placed for adoption. They feel discarded. And so many of them I've seen in these groups say, I just wish I hadn't been born. So to say, well, at least you got life, at least you're alive. I'm sorry, but that's a bullshit argument either. I came from a donor conception birth. And there were so many times I'm like, I didn't ask to be born. I did not ask to be here. (laughs) So we were, we're bringing in children who maybe they're like, this wasn't the life I wanted. So why didn't you just not have me? And we can't even argue for that because we didn't have a choice in that. So if you were never born, you would never know. So you can't be like, well, this kid would never get a chance to be born. Well, they would never know because they were never born. And they're so not conscious. Like, they're not conscious. Yes. So you it's know? a weird, it's a weird um, argument, but I'm like, let's ask adoptees how they feel. And let's ask like all sperm donor children in here. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's it just, very nuanced. Yes. It's super, super nuanced. And so I just ultimately come back to like the government shouldn't be able to mandate these things. Um, I personally do have a belief that there's should be a cutoff, you know, at a certain point, like a viable pregnancy. Um, 
the viability of pregnancies are getting earlier and earlier. They're able to stay preemie. So I do have, and I don't know what that cutoff is in my brain. It's kind of like, I, I was talking to Jeff, um, like if you know the sex of your baby, what you're having, not by like a DNA test, but like you can see genitals and like, that's a, but again, I'm not going to judge a woman. I don't know her story. I don't know what, there's a lot of things. So even me saying that it still comes with a big star asterisk because there's other reasons you can have an abortion late, later term too. So I almost want to just delete what I said, but I do think that um, it's just, I can't, I don't know someone's circumstance and I would never want to make that decision for someone else because me making the decision for myself was so difficult. It's not for anyone else to make it is not. And I can't like, same thing with the adoption. I would never say just do this because that shit will stay with you the rest of your life. It's not, yeah, it's not a, like you forget it's not about a decision it. without consequence. Yeah. You never forget your body never forgets. You have stretch marks. You have things that happen through pregnancy. There's so much. So I could never tell someone that that's the best thing to do for them or their baby either. I was lucky that she got in a great home, but I can't even say that was the best thing for her. There's a lot of people who ended up in shitty adoptive situations and they maybe would have been better. So better off with their birth family. So I just, I can't make that decision for anyone. So I will, I would definitely keep my own, you know, thoughts to myself on that. I, and I just, I think there's a lot of people saying that people are being irresponsible. Like, why would we need abortion? If you just like protected yourself, if you just, you know, like paid attention to your cycle, look, accidents happen. You know what I mean? Like they just do. And what is really interesting to me is that the, you know, in a a very, this is a super general statement, but like men are not being held accountable for this stuff. Right. So like, it's like, oh, if a woman gets pregnant and she doesn't want the baby, it's like, what is she just using this as birth control? She's just like, yes, believe me. We, Dan, I talked about this yesterday. No one like is like, I just, I'm just going to have an abortion. Like I just have like sex all the time with no protection and just, you know what? I'll just have an abortion. Like that's not a thing. People I mean, it's not pleasant to have one, I'm sure. So like, it's not like people are using it as birth control. And I think that's one of the biggest arguments is like, why don't you just pay attention to your cycle? And it's these quote, irresponsible young people who are just having sex all over the place. And like, it's just sounding very judgmental to me. And I'm sure yeah. I'm coming off judgmental too, because I'm starting to get like a little fired up right now too. But like I said, I know plenty of women in their thirties and even forties who have had an abortion because they're like, I don't want a child right now. And, yeah. you know, when Keith and I started dating, you know, we, I just said like, Hey, just so you know, like if, if we had an accident and I got pregnant, I would have an abortion. Just not, it's not the cards for me. You know, it's just not, I don't know. I think I've changed my tune a little bit for me personally now. Cause we were in a loving relationship. We've been together for a long time. Like, but when we first got together, I didn't know if it was going to be a long lasting relationship or whatever. So that was my stance on it. Um, but still, even if someone is in a long-term relationship and has the resources and can bring it, like, still they don't have to have one, in my opinion. So I'm interested in, and I'm trying to figure out sort of like what I'm missing. And I'm wondering if you're listening to this and you are extremely, you know, pro-life, what is, why is it okay for the government to tell a woman what to do with her body? And it's really interesting. So we're seeing a lot of stuff around vasectomies right now too. There's like been a huge spotlight on vasectomies. And if you read the comments in some of these vasectomy posts, there's men being like, I, this is my body. I don't have to do it. What I can do whatever I want. And I'm like, yes. Hello. <laughs> yep. That was my, I said, this is my solution. Just give every 
male child that's born a vasectomy at birth, which uh, maybe you have to wait till puberty. I'm not sure how that works. Give them a vasectomy. And then once they prove they're a man and an adult and they, they're ready, then we can reverse it. I'm like, there we go. <laughs> And that just fixes everything. No, just pregnancy. so much of a burden on the women, right? <laughs> Even like women are in charge um, of birth control. It's like, we're in charge yes. of birth control. We got to take and, the pill. We got to get the IUD. We got to track yes. our fucking cycle. We got to make sure that the dude's putting a condom on. Like, you know, I mean, I don't and know. even all those things, they can fail. Totally. I, one of my friends, and I'm going to read her um, story. She just wrote this sentence. Let's drop the narrative that being pro reproductive rights means you hate babies and that being anti-abortion makes you pro-life because that's just tired and worn and incorrect. I think that's the piece is like, you can love babies and children and human life and still be pro-choice, pro-reproductive rights. You can be like, I'm not pro-abortion. I'm not like telling everyone, go get abortions, kill right. the babies. Those, we just have to not think so black and white and that's what it means. I feel like it's really about, is the government, should they be able to tell us what we do with our bodies and right. how we do it? Totally, because so you can totally be me, like, like, would you, yeah. I mean, and this is, I mean, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but if you got pregnant now, would you have it? I mean, I think I probably would at this point, but that doesn't yeah. mean that, that I'm telling going to tell someone else they should have it. If they have my yeah. exact same circumstances that I would never yes. tell someone that they should have it. They need to have it. They can do whatever they yeah. want. Yeah. Same. If, if I was in the same, like someone lived my life, we had the same life and they didn't want to. And I did, it's like, that's not none of my business. No, it doesn't depend you on know? like how much money you have, but I think what people are missing and it's interesting because I think they're totally missing the, the socioeconomic and I don't want to see socioeconomic, I just mean economic issue here, which is the fact that there's going to be a lot of kids that are born into for to parents that don't want them, like unwanted children. And there's no resources to help with that. You know, yeah. so you have these moms who are not wanting to have babies, having to have them. They don't have maternity leave. They don't have maybe a partner who wants to be part of the life, who wants to contribute, maybe can't pay child support. You know, um, there's no, you know, government help with, with any of this. There's no universal health care. It's like, I don't know, to me, it feels really like we're missing the mark in multiple different ways. I think yeah. people just aren't thinking. And I think for Supreme Court, they go, well, we'll leave it to the states. Our hands are clean. Like, I think it's more like they're not taking responsibility for the fact that now a lot of these states have these trigger laws in place. I mean, they knew, obviously, um, we, you know, we have a more conservative uh, Supreme Court. They knew that was going to happen, but I think they're not taking responsibility because they're like, it's out of our hands now. It's in the hands yeah. of, the, of the, the states. And so I think that was the reason why I didn't want to I, I didn't feel compelled to like get on social and really like, you know, just be like, I'm enraged and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's not that that's not fine, but I guess at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, what can we actually do? What can we actually yeah. do to start to reverse this? And I hate to be like, yes, you have to vote. You know, it's like, but you do, that's the only recourse that we have at this point is like, if you are in a state that, and you are pro-choice, you have got to go to the polls. There's going to be hopefully, you know, propositions on the next ballot for this to overturn this. We got to fucking show up, you know, and I don't know what more there is to do to actually affect change besides, I mean, you know, I donated to a couple of um, abortion funds over the weekend and stuff like that. I mean, you know, we've been talking about it, Jill, for putting together a, like a charity or putting together a fund, um, not necessarily for this, but for anything, you know, just to give back a little bit. So you can do stuff like that. And I think that that's really, but you, you kind of feel helpless, you know? Yeah. I feel like back to accountability for men and resources is this is, just one of the pieces that's the problem 
it really is why don't we have maternal health care why don't we have like preschools for kids to go in and there's like resources for if they have the baby and this is the right. problem I have too with these people who are like we're saving the babies I'm like you feel so good about yourself for making someone have the baby but then when the baby's born you discard that baby and and this is a controversial thing to say but I mean the fucking shooter at Uvalde if that motherfucker mom had aborted him like we wouldn't be dealing with this shit right so I'm like should Hitler have been aborted? Maybe like we would be in a better position if Hitler's mom did not have that fucking dude. So I just feel like, so, and there's no and resources for moms. Right, if you don't want I'm a child, you just have to have it. And there's no resources for you. That Uvalde shooter was living with his grandmother. I don't know the story about him and I didn't research into it, but let's just say he wasn't wanted. That's why he's living with his grandmother. That's why he's got mental illness and why he's like, has to go act out and shoot up an elementary school like I don't know but there are a lot of nuanced conversations and I'm sorry but maybe some people don't need to be born I mean and not because they don't need to be born but because they are going to be fucked up if you read the book um what happened to you it's Oprah Winfrey and a doctor and it talks about the first like three months of life how imperative they are to your brain development and who you become if these babies aren't taking care of those first three months it doesn't even matter what happens after that they did studies for babies that were nurtured and taken care of the first three months. And then they were like neglected for three months after from like three to six months. And then they switched it where they were neglected the first three and then put back in like great care from like three, uh, three to six. And the babies that were neglected the first three months, it didn't matter how much love, care, attention they got later in life. They were still so messed up from those first three months. Mm. So if we are not taking care of those wow. moms and babies, then we are having future trauma adults out in the world who are causing damage and making the world a worse place. So there just needs to be, so if we're going to take this away, then we need to add resources in place to help. Otherwise yeah. we're just making the world a worse place. Right. And it's, you know, for people who are tend to be a little bit more fiscally conservative, they're missing the fact that this is a huge drain. This is going to be a huge drain on the economy, right? Like this, they're missing that, like, this is actually not going to be good for the economy either, you know? So it's, it, even if you just go like the logical level, I don't know, it's, it, to me, it makes zero sense. Um, and then there, then we're back to education too on birth control. I know the yep. states with the highest rates of pregnancy, teen pregnancy are usually the ones with um, abstinence only, abstinence only. Education. education. And so they're not learning how to have birth control. So they're going to be having these babies quote out of wedlock or having more abortions and it's kind of ass backwards there like these are the bible belt states with the highest pregnancy rates and they're the ones who want to ban this so let's at least then educate how to use a condom how to get on birth control how to track your cycle because we're sending out these people and i hate the argument of just close your legs and just don't have sex well people do and it's a biological like need and process like you can't just go tell a dog that's humping another dog just stop don't have sex like they just do it like we do have instincts and we yes. do have biology and you joe and i lived in venice beach like there's so many homeless people and the freaking homeless people are banging it out like you don't even have to have a place to go so we can't just say well just don't have sex just close your legs then because people do yes so, people do so why not give them that i think that the fear is, there is if we talk too much about sex then it's going to somehow make it 
more acceptable. But like my whole thing is like yeah. people are going to have it anyway. It's like drinking, right? If you yeah. grow up in a household where it's very like there's a huge stigma around drinking and there's like a lot of shame around it and a lot of like, ooh, like that's bad, that's a sin, whatever. Chances are, you know, when you grow up and you actually have access to alcohol or whatever, like you're probably going to go off the deep end, right? So it's like, and it's not the exact same thing, but educate on sex as young as possible, not because you're like, I hope they're really uh, irresponsible. It's like educate on sex because you want them to be responsible. Like yeah. that to me is, is backwards, but it's this very old school. And I hate to say it, but I feel like it's the, the older generations that just think if you don't talk about it, then it just goes away. And that's just not the case. And so uh, to me, more conversation about it, less taboo, less stigma, like, and then let's be responsible. I'll never forget Jade's, um, my ex-husband, his mom, very progressive, love Joyce. She's amazing. And, um, very progressive, very loving, like one of the best moms I've ever met. And she, um, loves her kids like fiercely, but she would always have, and she had three boys and a girl and they were all within, I think maybe, I don't know, four or five years of each other, or like maybe, maybe six or seven years of each other. And they were all sort of like around that high school age. And she would just have a huge, you know, basket of condoms in the kitchen. And it, and it, and it just made this like they were going to have sex. There were like three boys in the house. They were all like teenagers. Like they're, you know, they're going to have sex. So she was like, yes, let me just make sure. And she did like literally just have that in the kitchen. And I remember my stepmom, Suzanne had the three boys and like, it was, it was actually kind of funny. The boys love telling the story of my three brothers, but they were all sitting at the table and Suzanne was, you know, she was a, she was a single parent, you know, for a, a good amount of time. And the boys were young. I think they were like 10, eight and seven or something. And they're all sitting around the kitchen table and something is like this said, and she goes, wait, you guys don't know about this. And they were like, like about a condom or whatever. And they were like, what? And she goes, wait right here. And she literally runs to the store, comes back with a whole, with a bunch of bananas and a bunch of condoms. And she just puts them on the table and she goes, okay, practice. And she leaves. And of course they're 10, eight and seven. So she comes back out and they're all like blowing them up and making like cartoon <laughs> balloons out of them and stuff. But it was like funny, but just like exposing your kids to these things. So they don't feel so taboo. Like you can go to the store and buy condoms and it's not weird. And like, you can go to the store and you can, I mean, you can ask for birth control. You, it doesn't matter if you're 16, like I don't know. To me, this is all part of the education. So people understand all of the consequences innately versus just trying to pretend it's not going to happen. Like people are not going to have sex. And I mean, when their hormones are the highest they're ever going to be in their life, are you kidding me? I don't know. To me, it's, it's very unrealistic. And so I just, I think more exposure, more education. And I think it's even been shown in research that people who have more sexual education don't actually have more sex. It's not like they're yeah. like, to me, it's, it's totally, um, a win-win for everybody. Yeah, really I agree. I think there's just so many layers that we have to fix so much and add so many more resources if we're taking this away and, and that even shouldn't be, it should be. And like, we don't need to right. take this away. We need to add all of these things. So that even when someone does choose to yep. have a baby, that yep. they have these resources right. because people are still going to choose to have a baby. It's not yep. like abortion is sure. the only option, right? Either. It's not like if we make abortion legal that like, oh, thank God, like, okay, now I can yeah. just kill all the babies. Like, it's just like, no, people still want a child. And I was actually interested in your take on this because I saw a picture from one of the protests. I think it was in New York or I don't know, over the weekend. And there was a couple holding a big poster that said with a big smile on their face and it said, we'll adopt your baby. 
and they were at the parade. I was like a little bit Gross. like this with it. I thought it was, and, and people were saying this is really cool. Like this no. is a really like cool thing to say. And I was like, I wanted to ask you about that. Cause I felt like weird about it too. That actually gives me a visceral, like want to throw up feeling when I even, so this is something also back to the adoption industry and even IVF and like fertility industry. I have deep, deep issues with these two industries. Um, first off, again, it commoditizes babies as if they are just, you know, I mean, like you're buying a dog. Yeah, you can just buy something. Yeah. And so you're commoditizing a human being and making them like that you can just trade them. And when I was pregnant, I felt like, and I wrote this in my journal, I felt like I had a piece of meat in front of a bunch of hungry wolves. And I had people coming up to me, just assuming they didn't even know I was thinking about adoption. Um, they just assumed that because I was young that I couldn't handle it. And they're like, oh, I know someone who can't have a baby. You should give it to them. I know someone who can't give they're it like, oh, this is to a, them. You, this is a really, this is a really great couple. You should give your baby to them. And I'm like, I don't, this is, I'm thinking about my daughter's future life. Not about, I'm not worried about making your friends feel better who can't have a baby. Like that's their problem. And I'm sorry for people who are, who struggle with infertility, but that's not a pregnant woman's job to make you parents because you have something that they can't have. And so I think it's very selfish. I think it's very disgusting. And I think it's a really weird and um, it, it's like entitlement, like, oh, I'll give me the baby. I'm ready. I'm ready to have it. Like, no, 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 no. This first off, again, it's a human being that's going to grow up and ask a lot of questions and wonder where they came from and wonder about their biology. And so to me, it's so disgusting. It's really, really disgusting. Like that's not how it works. And a pregnant woman is not looking around like, I'm trying to find a good couple. Like you don't need to be holding up a fucking sign. You know, there's just, <laughs> it just- It is interesting. Really there's a lot of misconceptions. Cause when I saw that post, I was like, this doesn't feel at all right. And obviously I don't have your experience, but I know I wanted to ask you about it. Cause I was like, people were saying this was like a cool, like really cool thing that like they were at the protest being like, we'll take your baby. Like and I was just like, nah, that feels, when you said commoditize, like that's exactly what it feels yes. like. That's exactly, it, that's the word. It's, we're making humans a commodity and it's, and it's baby and it's babies. And it's also, and I ha have to say this too, because this goes to a racial thing. It's white babies as well. Because when I was pregnant, there was such a demand for a healthy white baby Interesting. because there's, yeah, you know, fo there's foster care and there's a lot of things. There's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, there's a higher percentage of black babies that are born to like drug, drug addicted women. And we know, like, we know there's a lot of things about black and brown babies and that are in lower income areas. And there's so many, there's so many social issues in this whole thing, yeah. but to adopt a white baby that's healthy is like, people will pay so much money. So when I told the story, I was first going to give my baby to another woman. I met her and I said, I want you to have my baby because she couldn't have kids anymore. She called me after four months and said, we can't do it because the adoption is $50,000 and we can't afford it. Private adoption. People will pay upwards of $100,000 for a healthy white baby. Now, this is what really pissed me off also in the adoption industry. When I was choosing my daughter's parents after that adoption kind of fell through, I was going through profiles and profiles and profiles of parents, parent future adoptive parent, prospective adoptive parents. And there were check boxes, right? What they would accept and what they wouldn't accept. And so they were like, we want healthy, like you could say whether you would take a baby with uh, addiction, whether you would take a baby with any kind of disabilities. And I would go through these papers and that's probably all online. 
but I would go through these papers. And if someone didn't want a baby with a disability or race or addiction, I threw them out immediately because I thought if they really want a family, they'll take whatever baby they get, but they're being picky about the baby they wanted. And I was like, no, I don't want those kind of parents. And so I chose the parents who were willing to accept. And I, I, I had very specific things on what I wanted for my daughter, because I'm like, if I'm giving her away, if I am placing her to live somewhere else, I want to make sure I'm doing the best I can. I'm not just giving it to someone who just is like, like, we can't have kids, so we'll take it. Like, no, that's not how, no, no. I just, <laughs> it's so, it's so rough. It is, but man. There's we, so much on really, this argument. The industry, the fertility industry and the adoption industry is very predatory. It's predatory on the women who are having the babies. And it's also predatory on these families with uh, infertility because they're desperate and they want something. And so it's, it's all money driven. And we're not thinking about the human being that's in the middle, that's being traded or being created without their consent. So again, it's also without the baby's consent. So this baby is being created without consent, whether through they got accidentally pregnant or through IVF or whatever, we're not talking, we're not worried about that baby's consent then, but yet here with abortion, we're concerned about the unborn, what they think and feel. Well, let's, what they think and feel in all this, in all the circumstances. It's a really, really, really nuanced conversation. And so when adoption comes into it, I definitely feel, um, I don't want to say triggered, but I guess like I do feel a way about yeah, it. Of course. And yeah. And that's the thing just, is, and I think that's the whole point is that, you know, I would never assume to understand what it's like to place your baby for adoption, right? I'll always go to you and ask because I can have my own, you know, preconceived notions. The exact same thing extends to a woman who wants to have an abortion. How could anyone ever tell her what's the right thing to do with that baby or, you know, like being pregnant? So I don't know. I mean, it extends and we have to realize that when we have people in power who are making laws that have no experience being a fucking woman, like, like to me, I don't know, they're, they're not the people that need to be making the choices at all. And the, the yeah. fact that this is even a, and that's the thing that's really sad is that, you know, people are still going to have abortions, you know, in these States that is banned. They're still going to try to have abortions, just not going to be safe abortions. Yeah. And so the idea that, I mean, people have been having an abortion, have been having abortions for, for millennia. So yes. like the idea that like this ruling is going to somehow change that, you know, it's just going to make these procedures a lot less um, safe. And I don't know, man. It is, it is. That was the other thing I wanted topic. to add. Yeah. That was the other thing I wanted to add to the pro-life um, argument is like, we're saving all the babies, but the truth is you're not, the abortions are still going to happen. Just like people are still going to have sex. They're just going to have to go about it in more dangerous ways, sneaky ways or illegal ways. And it's just going to be more difficult and maybe they're going to have to wait longer. So maybe someone who could have gotten abortion at eight weeks when the yep pregnancy was less viable has to wait till yep. the baby is now 16 weeks till they can get to a place or something. Yep. And now it's even more painful, more stressful, and more yep. emotionally distressing to yep. everyone involved. So it's just an unfortunate, um, it's an unfortunate ruling. It's, I don't think it's a constitutional right, so to speak. I just think this is something that we, I, I guess I don't know. And I'm going to have to go back to government class because I must not have paid attention, but I always thought a Supreme court ruling basically could stand unless there was like some different evidence to change that or shift that. So I, I think that's what happened. I think that was sort of what happened was, um, I think it's, I forget what it's called. Statue of limitations, maybe like mm. something. Yeah, I agree with you. It's like, I have to go back to civics, but it was something along those lines where, and so I think that's a lot of people's arguments too, is like, okay, if this 
can be overturned and turned to the states, what other, you know, federal rulings can now go to the states, right? What else is up for grabs that, you know, uh, that is not deemed like a federal, needs to be like a constitutional right? Yeah. Wild. I'm not sure we're going to go into another topic because this took more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean and it, here I will say like you know if you're listening to this I think you know you and Danny I mean you know Danny and I well enough to know that I don't think these that our stances are surprising to you but you know if you're feeling some kind of way and you're feeling triggered and you're you know completely against what we're sort of talking about you know I feel free to you know send us a message we're happy to happy to hear it it's not an issue but you know as this is our podcast you're going to hear if there's an opinion um, you're going to hear ours. And it, and if there's something that we're sort of missing, because I guess I just feel like, and you know, an opinion is an opinion too. So like, if you're listening yeah. to this and you're extremely pro-life and you are, and I think that's, I hate those words too, because I'm being pro-choice, like I'm still pro-life, but it's like, yes. I don't believe that a baby at conception is like a, you know, I don't believe it's a human yet. I don't feel like that's a conscious being like to me that's, so I think it's, it, it is a matter of perspective. And so I don't think that there's like one perfect truth. I think that it's, there it are some things up for, um, I don't even say debate, but just interpretation, Yeah. but also this is our podcast. So just as if this was our social media platform or whatever, like this is where we're going to say our, how we see things, our perspective. And so again, if you don't agree, that's totally fine. Maybe you're not even listening anymore. That's also fine. Um, you know, but feel free to send us a message. I'd be interested in sort of like what we're missing and like what, you know, what were you guys think about this and what you see? Yeah, absolutely. I feel, um, this is definitely a conversation that we need to keep having and probably more of the deeper issues is the the resources and how do we help and what do we do yeah. and educate and those are those are conversations and conversations we need to have with our boys yeah. like what yeah. Suzanne yeah. did I love yeah. this like you have we're all women in an age where a lot of our women our age and are listening have children so com- what's even more I'd say even more important than than voting maybe not but um, cause I feel like sometimes our votes are just don't count. However, they draw the lines. What's even more important is how are we raising our children? Yeah. Yeah. So, and especially our young men, I, I feel so strongly about how young men are being raised and, and I just feel like they're just not being taught so many very important things like consent and sex ed and respect. And so let's, if we can't do anything now, like let's do something for the future and let's raise really good men. Yeah. You know, and I, the last thing I'll say is there's this misconception, there's a, you know, this misconception that the only people who are having abortions are like low income people. And, you know, when I think back to all of my friends who have had abortions, like they're middle-class people, like upper middle-class, like well-educated, you know, so it's, so anyone at any stage in life might be in a position where they want to have an abortion, uh, no matter what the like socioeconomic status is or whatever, you know, I mean, and luckily because of that status, they were able to get safe abortion care and they were able to access the, the care and the medicine and the health that they needed. I think that's the difference is sometimes people in lower economic places are not able to access this, what they need, you know? And so, but I think there's this misconception that it's like, oh, these poor people just having abortions as like, you know, and just like, it's just not that at all. And so I think we have to check ourselves and check some of our stereotypes as well. I, yeah. And to just one last thing to add to that is I feel like be careful how you're 
talking and, and judging because I think there is assumptions. It's like people being real responsible, sleeping around certain yep. age. And I've seen this where like uh, someone I know, the male brother talking out, speaking out, not even realizing his own sister had an abortion. And I would dare to say, and I know we don't have a lot of men listening, um, but it's very likely someone in your family, an aunt, a sister, mm -hmm. your own mother, someone has had one. And I've just seen this so many times where that male is speaking out about it, not even knowing a person they actually love and not knowing their circumstances, don't know that it's happened. And so we just need to be gentle with each other too, because you likely have a good friend who's had one, whether they're happy about it, not happy about it. I don't feel like anyone's like excited about that, but we just need to be careful with each other and loving on each other yeah. and compassionate and understanding and more empathetic to circumstances and lives outside of our own and how we see the world. Yep. So good. All right. Well, whew. all right. I need to take a nap. All right, y'all. I'm sure we'll have some comments on this. We can definitely open up the Facebook group and always just, you know, be respectful, love each other. We love yep. you all. And yeah, um, appreciate you guys. Yep. And that's it. We'll see you on the next episode. All, all right. right. Bye. Bye guys. Bye.